Hello, personal productivity enthusiasts and community. Welcome to Anything But Idle, the productivity news podcast. Today's show is brought to you by W3C Web Services, and I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinot. And we're your hosts for Anything But Idle. Uh, each week, we bring you... Oh, I'm sorry. This is episode 37, the goals episode. Uh, what are our and your goals? And we're going to talk about goal planning. And we're recording this on January 4th, 2021. Uh, each week, we cover and discuss the productivity and technology news headlines of the week. And to do that, we bring on two panelists, usually. Uh, and we have two panelists today with us uh, to talk about all things in personal productivity and technology. Uh, first and foremost, we have Dr. Frank Buck back with us. Uh, most people are overwhelmed by the amount of paper and digital information in their lives. Frank Buck makes organization easy so you can increase productivity, decrease stress, and enjoy life. Global Gurus ranked Frank number one in the world in the time management category for 2019 and 2020. His career path took him from band director to principal to central office administrator and now to productivity coach and author. Welcome to Anything But Idle, Frank. All right, it's great to be here. Happy 2021. Ditto, ditto. Welcome to the show. And uh, in our uh, rounding out our panelist uh, panel, we have Derek Reinhardt. Uh, productivity and practice seems to be where everyone looks this time of year. Books are great. Tools are great. Resolving to actually do what is important is where we fall down so often. Derek has been working personal and organizational productivity practices since the 80s. He spent 20 years in the United States Air Force as a pilot and an operations planner. He is certified in knowledge management, and he has his PMP, which is the Professional Project Management Professional Certification. He recently retired from the Federal Service. He's written two brief how-to books on using GTD, the Getting Things Done methodology, with Bullet Journal and with Goalscape. And so with that, welcome to Anything But Idle, Derek. Hi. This is your this is your first time on. Yeah, it is. newbie. Yeah, for podcasts in general. So fantastic, it's awesome, awesome, yeah, fantastic. welcome. Uh, so with that, what we're going to do today is we like to open up the show usually with a theme. And uh, and so the, for those of you who are watching, we're going to be talking about goal setting uh, before we get into the news today. And what I wanted to kind of cover with you all is in a year like last year coming into a year like this year, where we're in the midst of a pandemic, a global pandemic, uh, people are in varying stages of working from home and working virtually, as well as uh, going out there and working in hybrid environments now. What are the kinds of goals you think people should be setting, or maybe how should people be approaching goal setting in the context of the, the kind of life circumstances? And what are some of the goal planning practices that you know of or would, would uh, share with others out there in the world? And I'll start. I'll start while you think, uh, which is that <laughs> for many, many years, I've actually uh, talked about the idea of goal planning uh, off the calendar year, which is to say that if you were born in December or January, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But for the rest of us, <laughs> uh, you, were, you were likely born in, in um, you know, a month that was not January or December uh, necessarily. And, um, and so for, those, for the rest of us, for the other 10 months of the year, um, you can actually start your year in your birth month. And I actually think it's quite useful to start in your, your birth month um, for a number of really good reasons. Uh, one is uh, that's when you started on the planet. So that's where you should probably begin planning um, in terms of a, of, a, of a personal calendar year. Two, if it's not in January or December, then it usually actually reduces stress because around those times of the year, uh, you know, culture dictates that you do all of these things that take up time, and there's this pressure on you to to prepare and plan and and you know reflect all in this concentrated period of time. And I just generally don't like to to feel that pressure. So my birthday happens to be in November, uh, so I spend the uh, month of October actually doing reflection and planning for November first, which ends up being my uh, my New Year, uh, my personal calendar year, New Year, and. That really offsets the rest of the year for me in terms of, you know, right now, I'm already in the third month of my first quarter of the year. So for everybody else, you know, they're kind of behind me in, in a way, right? Because I'm working toward next year's goals already, and I'm in that process. And uh, so that's just one of the, the little tips that I like to give to people is like, if your birthday's not in, I mean, even if it is in January, December, start your year where you started on the planet. And I think that really just helps, uh, you know. Uh, reduce some of the stress. Yeah. You know, I when I coach clients, I always tell clients that we humans are awful 
had calculated what we can accomplish on a year and are even worse on estimate what we can accomplish in three. So when I ask people, you know, hey, what you're going to do in the next year? Oh, they come with this long list. But when you ask them what you're going to accomplish then in three, they add two or three things to that long list that they're going to accomplish in the next 12 months. So one of the things I do with them is work into exactly this, into calculate what we want to accomplish in three years, what we want to accomplish in a year. And from there, we split it up in in four 13 weeks. So that way, the 13 weeks, it's much easier to recalibrate, much easier to calculate, and much easier to work into those goals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For my end, I spent so many years in education. Uh, my year was always starting in August. You know, it was the June and July where you were setting up everything that was going to make the school year successful. So that was sort of the one downtime that you had. It, it was the time where hardly anybody else was in the building you know, soon after school was out, you could get lots of things done. You could spend a half day. You could spend an entire day on a project, which you can't do that during the school year. Your day is so fragmented. So, um, you know, mine was always the uh, the academic year. And, you know, I, Augusto, I, I, would, I guess I would kind of be one of those that when you asked me my three-year goals, I'd be kind of hazy because I – I tend to not plan so far out because there's so many variables. Um, As I look back over the things that have really made a difference in my life and the things that I'm really proud of, three years before those things happened, I would not have predicted those things were going to happen. Some of them weren't even on the radar. So, um, you know, I, I, I try to be flexible and be able to take advantage of the opportunity. No, no, and, and it's not about losing the flexibility in any way, shape, or form, but it's about making sure there are big, big goals that you want to accomplish that you can work in them. It's not necessarily to have a really long list but or longer. It's not to have at least three times what you want to accomplish in a year, but want to envision what kind of person. And I tend to talk about 11 categories, health, learn and grow, your, your emotional life, you know, your spiritual life, your character, your, your love, your love with your uh, significant other, your parenting, if you have kids, social life, relationships, your career, your financials, and the quality of your life. And it is important to look where do I doesn't mean you're going to be there, but if you don't aim to somewhere, any any place will do. So sometimes aim to, okay, you know what, in the next three years, I will love to be able to do X. And having that goal in mind helped you to navigate that the time between now and then. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you on that. I think uh, one of the things, and maybe it's just I'm a little more right-brained or something, is the zoom, the zoom out and and looking at, you know, what you, what is your mission? You know, working through that. That's that's one thing that I think that uh, uh, David Allen has has kind of given a nod to to Stephen Covey as far as yeah, you work work through that and get your mission, and then what does it look like in those roles, like you were saying, Augusto. Um, and then what would be those uh, goals to those roles which match up with your uh, your vision? I think there was this picture of a ship with three um, uh, spotlights, yeah, lighthouses to get into this treacherous bay. And you have to line all those up in order to get to where you want to go uh, safely as well. So, yeah, the goals... Uh, can be there. They're backed up by those roles, those accountability uh, roles, as um, David Allen uh, discusses. Then you have that mission, which is is that burning yes that uh, Stephen Covey talks about. So you line up all of those uh, and then step through what does you know what is each one of those um, measurable activities that you do that's going to move you in that direction and and fulfill your mission. Yeah, this is a little bit of a, a, a tip, I guess, for folks, which is that there's a psychological construct uh, 
based on on research that is when you try to set goals try to uh, use the smallest increment for reaching that goal so what i mean is uh, if i say i'm gonna you know lose 10 pounds uh in a year uh, that's not particularly useful versus saying i'm gonna lose uh one pound a month or say i'm gonna lose half a pound every two weeks uh, by basically saying in 26 weeks i'm gonna lose this amount of weight each week, you're much more likely to reach the goal because you've broken it down. Just like any larger project, when you break it down into its elemental parts, you're more likely to be able to uh, understand its achievability based on those smaller pieces. Uh, but there's also that psychological trick when you think, okay, well, I'm going to do this in a year. Well, what does that mean to, to, to you know, write a book in a year? But when you say I'm going to write you know, 2,000 words a week, now at the end of the year, you have uh, you know enough material to actually turn into a book. So just remember that you're you've got to work backwards in that sense, and then break things down. So there's some retrospective or or you know reverse planning that's required, inclusive with uh, breaking down the goals to the smaller uh, you know uh, kind of sub goals, but the smaller projects on your way toward the larger goal. So oh uh, yeah, the and and you know the losing weight that's the time of year everybody's uh, doing that resolution sort of it's thing. the opposite for me um, i'm trying to gain yeah. weight <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the the losing weight is a um a lag indicator where you're and this is we were just before i retired from federal service we're talking a lot about lead and lag indicators uh in our shop and, and but those lead indicators are what are those things can we measure now that are showing that we're going to meet that lag indicator so you know as far as weight goes um it's x amount of calories it's you know x amount of uh um exercising or something like that those are lead indicators to the lag indicator of actually uh changing your body shape your weight and that sort of thing so yeah two sides of the same coin there but uh, good points. Frank? Yeah, yeah Ray, uh, if, if you're trying to gain some money, I've got some pounds that I will give you. you know? <laughs> and, and I remember the days when I was also trying to gain weight. So don't, don't worry. It, it's gonna, it's gonna happen for you. There. <laughs> I don't yeah. think my, I don't think my genetic code is, is, uh, disposed to that idea, but I, I will be, I will be happy to have a little bit more, um, muscle, not, not necessarily. If you find a way to accept health. donations, let me know. I'm first in line, I'm second in line. <laughs> first in line. <laughs> Back on actual topic. Uh, Derek, for, uh, one second, Augusta. So, so Derek, can you can you explain for viewers and listeners um, the concept of lead and lag indicators? Because I think this is really useful for people to really understand when they're goal setting, which is to understand what those two components are. Can you just briefly describe that for folks so they have an idea about when they're setting goals, which indicators, which measurements to look for? Oh, wow. Catch me on the spot on that. But uh, it's <laughs> it's almost like measuring cause, measuring effect sort of thing is, is that – um, I mean, and taking, you know, the, the weight and the health piece as well is that you've got this, this actual uh, mission or accountability of, of being healthier. And for, uh, I'd say, you know, most of us, you're uh, accepted there as far as, you know, wanting to have lower heart rate, wanting to have a lower BMI, body mass, and okay, that sort of thing. Um, so then you go back and say, okay, in order to feel healthier, more energetic and that sort of thing, I need to lose weight. That's a lag indicator. Uh, the lead indicator is, like I was saying, caloric intake, um, amount of aerobic exercise. So the, it's almost like the lead indicators are the how. You can measure these how steps, um, which then will um, result in the goals, those lag indicator goals that you're looking for. Um, and I'm at a lot other than, you know, and I've got what we joked in our house, the COVID-19 is that I've got the 19 pounds from COVID time. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But, so, so we can think of, uh, think of a lead indicator as predictive, whereas a, uh, a lag indicator is retrospective. And, uh, and so just like when you're planning out, yeah a goal, just remember that you have those two different measurement mm -hmm. capabilities. And as you noted, uh, lead indicators are going to be more useful to you in so many ways. Because those are the ones that you're controlling and, and, and that if you're meeting those as a direct consequence, as long as you're saying, I've got the, 
I've identified the appropriate lead indicators that will result in this lag indicator, this goal. Uh, yeah. You know, and that, that's a huge conversation in the educational arena. You know, we give the high stakes test every spring. And by the time, you know, you get the results back, well, those kids have already graduated. Some of the teachers have retired. It, yeah. And so here's the results on how well you taught last year. We call it the autopsy, you know. And, and, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it at that point. The numbers are what the numbers are. Um, and and so coming up with, as Derek was talking about, the lead indicators, what can we measure on a, a more frequent time frame so that we can adjust as we go? And what are the things what are the things that we know we should be doing so that the results will be good? Are we doing those things and we can measure yes or no whether we're doing those things just like we can measure how much we're eating, how much we're exercising. Right. Right. And and that's one thing that when we work when I work in coaching and I coach clients into these goals and this, I said there is two parts of this. There is the vision on these 11 things I mentioned, mentioned, and there is a strategy for these things that you are now putting in. So if you're saying for your health, you know, hey, I want to lose the 25 pounds, that's a great, that's your vision for that goal. But now let's turn the page, and I actually do the exercise for the client as turn the page, and then on the other side of the page, let's write now the strategy. How are we going to make those two pounds every other week or how we're going to make what, what kind of changes can you actual measure that are going to take you to that vision? Because the problem I see, and I see from for many years is people create these visions and the visions are pretty, but then there is a complete disconnection between one and the other. So what you have is in the next December, we are going to do an up to see as Dr. Frank was saying, say, well, Okay, we did not lose the 19 pounds. We gained five. Well, okay, let's let's now aim for 25 for next year. <laughs> okay. But when you can now look and tweak, the, the goals in general don't change. But there is one thing that is really important. You know, Derek was mentioned getting things done. And the first time I read about the reticular system was the first time I read getting things done by David Allen. And... There is something interesting about that, about saying, hey, I want to do lose that 120 pounds. That, that never give it to me. But when I change that goal for I want to eat healthier, okay, and I want to learn to eat healthier, uh, that changed for me. And I told the story. Then what, what is now? 2021. So this will be 11 years ago. I was 400 pounds. Okay, that was it. The, the peak of of the heat of what I got, and now I tend to joke that I'm half the man I used to be. Okay, <laughs> but it, but it was not because of the pounds. Before that, I did the, you know, twelve pounds. What is up? He said, "I got twenty five. Let's do twenty pounds for next year, and instead keep it growing because that's one thing that is really important on that goal. If you cannot envision yourself there." you are never going to make it. And for most people, envision pounds, it's really, 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 really hard. Yeah, so the folks who are um, are, are not aware, the, the reticular activating system and what Augusto is talking about in terms of reticular formation is that uh, very, very simply, is that brain mechanism whereby which if you see a red car, then all of a sudden you start seeing more and more red cars. Uh, it is that concept of habituation of our stimuli. Uh, so the um, so you know it covers all things, behavioral arousal, consciousness, all kinds of things are are a part of that um, uh, system. And uh, so anyway, the uh, the whole concept of goal planning is so fascinating to me, and I appreciate everybody's thoughts here. And so with that, let's uh, now close out this segment and move into our stories of the week, at least part A of our stories of the week. And so with that, Augusto, uh, oh, by the way, for those of you who are watching and listening, um, I did uh, pick up two articles that I thought were pretty interesting about goal planning and whatnot. I'll throw those into the show notes so you'll have those uh, when you uh, listen to this later. Uh, but with that, Google, uh, Augusto, uh, let's get into stories of the week. And what is our first headline this week? You're still muted. 
<laughs> first first time of the year. First time of the year need to happen. I promise it's not going to be the last one. So the first one is Google brings top search for Chromebooks with Chrome 87. And, and it's an old news. This happening beginning of December. We just happened to not have had the chance to bring it to, to the news. But finally, with Chrome 87, uh, you can start searching into those tabs that make powerful, really powerful, uh, the Chromebooks that are using Chrome 87. The ability to not only that you can have a bazillion of those tabs, but now that you can actually open them, it is a really, really powerful thing. Yeah. So for those of you who might be confused, if you are in your Google Chrome on a normal desktop browser, uh, now in the latest version of Chrome, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm one of the Google uh, Chrome product experts, so I can't help myself but jump in here. Uh, but the, but the idea here is that when you're in normal Google Chrome, you will now start to see if you're in the latest version, which you should update to the latest version. If you type the name of any tab that is, it is, that is currently open, you will see a drop down list from that Omnibox. And in there, you will see switch to tab, a little chip that will show up. They'll say switch to tab. That means you have an open tab with that content in it, and you can go ahead and click on that, and it will take you there as opposed to opening up a new tab and taking up more resources. Uh, what Degusta just noted that is happening in Chrome 87 once it comes out is that you'll now be able to click a little, it's already out actually because of the delay in news, but uh, you'll be able to click in Chrome OS. That means if you're on a Chromebook, you can click a little down arrow in the top right-hand corner of your browser, and you'll see a drop-down list and then be able to search your open uh, tab. Basically, all of your open applications, uh, which is just a really, really useful and helpful uh, new tool. So with that, let's move our way along, Augusto, to our next news this week. And we continue in the Google world. And the next one, it's a great article from Chrome Unboxes that even if you are not on a Chromebook, it applies to most of them. And it's how to block out the distractions to boost productivity in 2021. And one of the things that is interesting with technology is how much the badging and the notifications and we are self-inflicting all these distractions in ourselves as if we don't have enough distractions. Okay, we also have the badge and the notification and the corner thing coming and the other corner for the other application. So the article comes with a couple of tips on how to deal with this, how to specifically in Chrome limit the volume and limit the notifications. Also talk about uh, a Pomodoro application that you can put on your Which Chromebook. Which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys don't know about this, it's the Pomodoro PWA, which is a progressive web application. And you can actually use this with your with Google Chrome, so it's not limited to Anywhere. Chrome OS. Mm -hmm. So you could just go ahead and get Pomodoro PWA, go to the article, click on the link, and it, in essence, creates a little tiny mini app that then you can just like drag around on your screen. And it's super, super helpful. Awesome. And so, yeah, the Chrome Unboxed article is just full of these little tips that is well worth checking out. Yeah. And the other thing they talk is about organizer your launcher and working with virtual desk, task, tab, groups, and, and everything else. And, you know, the more we spend time in, in the browser, being Chrome, being Edge, being Safari, Really, it's the more important is to learn and understand how to get the most out of it, how to reduce the, the distractions. Doesn't matter what you do. You know, the reality is we spend way more time. I remember when I wrote 25 tips for productivity, one of the tips in there was to use two browsers, you know, one for work, one for, um, to play. And part of the reason was the distractions and, it is interesting to see eight years later that that distraction, we are not even close to get better. We have been getting worse and worse and worse. So it is important to learn how to manage and work with those distractions. The next one, it's a news that you should introduce, Ray, since this is your dream setup, I think. <laughs> All right, so this is an article, uh, I believe from was, was it from oh, so make use of it was I thought it was going to be a good e -re good e reader article, but either way, it's called the paper like uh, two fifty three. This is a twenty five inch high resolution grayscale monitor, but it is a little bit more uh, powerful than that because it's e ink, uh, which means that it is drawing limited power and is this amazing high refresh rate grayscale e ink display. 
I mean, like that is just amazing in terms of technology to think that we've come this far in terms of e-ink technology. And so those of you who are using uh, Kindle, uh, the Paperwhite line, or if you're using any other uh, e-reader that allows you to be able to write on the surface with e-ink, uh, you just have to understand that the technology is has a very slow refresh rate. It just takes a lot of time for that uh, technology to to um, crystallize those pieces, whatever the you know chemical uh, thing that's going on. And so that for them to be able to create a, a monitor that is palatable, I mean, it's not going to play a movie. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna see you know uh, slowdown in terms of its uh, its uh, movement, but um, to be able to do everyday tasking, uh, to have a grayscale monitor to reduce eye strain, there's all kinds of really good reasons to that. Not not any of the bunk related to you know blue light or anything else else like that. Blue light doesn't damage your eyes. It's not dangerous. Um, but what, what I'm really talking about is eye strain and being able to direct uh, light directly onto an e-ink display. I just brilliant. I'm I'm very excited. I'm not going to likely buy it, uh, but you know, a boy can dream. <laughs> but but I, but I'm going to say with this, and no, it's it's not about blue light. But as a person for for the for the listeners who work on the iPads or the Mac OS. I don't know if it's possible, not possible, or how to do it in any other platform. But in the iPad, you can access to the accessibility, and then you can activate the filters and put the gray colors. It is not ink. It is gray colors. But if you are tired or you are going to work a lot of hours, you know, in a lot of focus, in the Mac as well in the iPad, it is a godsend to turn that thing into gray scale and then don't get your eyes tired. You know, we all spend a ridiculous amount of hours in front of our screens. And I have now come that after a certain time, I put them, as soon as I start feeling the tires, put them in gray scale. And unless I need something that I want actual colors and I can just turn off the filter, it works great. But then I can stay way longer looking at my screen without feeling that. Heavy. Yeah, I've never really thought about the grayscale versus the, the color that, you know, that consciously turning it. You know, I was a kid who grew up with black and white TV. So, of course, I'm familiar with grayscale from way on back. But um, I haven't thought consciously about going back and sort of revisiting that. Yeah, and, a, and a really good a really good tip for folks is that if you're ever in a, a situation where your battery is low on your phone, sh- switch over to grayscale, which will take less power and uh, and therefore give a little bit of longevity to your to your phone until you get to power again. Yeah, yeah related to that, the uh, Kindle has uh, sepia settings, which is similar to grayscale. It's head off, but for um, low light uh, options as well as a little easier on your eyes. Uh, my wife uses it quite a lot, uh, reading at night. Uh, but, uh, it's again, as Gusto was saying, it's something that'll, uh, ease up the stress on your eyes. Yeah, it does. It has nothing to, in the, on the argument of blue light or not blue light it has nothing to do with that, but because it's the gray scale, there's a lot less brightness. So your, your eyes get, and I can work for way more hours that make it really good for me. Yeah, and I can actually think about this in the in the context of being a writing display for uh, for a device. I'm, I'm, I, folks who have been watching for a while know that I've been playing around with a Raspberry Pi 400, and that's just a keyboard, uh, you know, shell for the Raspberry Pi. And to be able to connect something like this e-ink display, that would be the perfect. Uh, low distraction type of device where I I feel it's limited. It's not, but I feel it's limitation. Like there's like a weird feeling that it's limited. And so I will use that just for certain purposes. It's kind of why I like uh, single function devices. I like my Kindle because all I want to do on it is read. I don't want to hack it to be able to browse the web or to do other things. I just want to read on it. And I don't want anyone to distract me from, from that focus. And so that device gives me that capability. Could I read it on my iPad? Sure. Could I read it on any number of the convergence devices that I have around me? I have uh, Chromebooks galore and laptops galore and all kinds of devices. Of course. Um, but that's not the point. The point is to actually read. And to read means I need to get rid of all of the other functions so I can just focus on that. And so I see something like the the e-ink display market really helping those people who need that kind of focus. I can even see like putting blinders on the side of the monitor so you can only see the screen and not see other things. Oh, man, my brain is all kinds of uh, a Twitter about this idea of an e-ink display. But with that, let's let's move on to a little bit more uh E- e-reader and e-ink display news. 
Well, and the, the the next news come from Amazon. Amazon is ending today. If you are listening live tomorrow, yesterday, if you are listening to our audio, our Kindle lending library uh, will close on January 4th, 2021. And it's interesting because this was a feature that was kind of on the dark side. They never really make a lot of noise about it. And it's living exactly the same way. Amazon is not making any acknowledgement or making anything. But I was interested. It was interesting. It was launched in 2016. So it was for a long, long time that you can lend in your things. And it was really, really good. So. Oh, no, no, it, it was launched 10 years ago. So it was, it was launched in 2011. 2011 yeah, yeah, yeah. and then so, 2016 was prime, prime members. Right? Yes, yes, yes. So, so, so the folks who know, just for, as a retrospective, uh, in, in, uh, 2011, uh, anyone who owned a Kindle device, a physical Kindle device could use the Kindle owner lending library. And I have used it this entire time up until yesterday. Uh, <laughs> so they're going to sunset it and, and cut me off. And so, uh, the, the whole idea was that you could rent a, a book. Uh, from those available within the Kindle Owner Lending Library uh, or Cole, and uh, and they made it very difficult over the last few years to like find the books in the system. They did all kinds of tricks to make people less people use it, and uh, that was because they were bringing Kindle uh, Prime Reading on live, and in essence, that replaces it. So it's nostalgic that they're getting rid of it, uh, but you know, the otherwise the the reality is is it doesn't really change anything. And that and that's separate because I, I saw that article and that's separate from the Kindle um, Unlimited. Correct. That's the, a that's a payment. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I wasn't even aware of this other program. It's like, oh, it's going belly up. Well, I never knew it existed. So yeah, they, it's not even because they're just shutting down this program because they have a program that replaces it. So it's really mm -hmm. like. Um, it, while it's a different program in my mind, I don't really see it as it, they're just swapping the programs. You know, they, they had a program that's working with Kindle Prime reading. You can go ahead and do basically the same thing. So don't don't fret. Um, yeah. And so with that, let's move along to our last piece of news before we hit our break. Well, we're still going to stay on to Amazon and we are going to talk about Wondery, the podcast startup that Amazon just acquired. And we have been talking in past shows how the war for the podcast is getting heated. And, you know, this is just another another example. You know, it is it is fantastic what the podcast for the U.S. has been but it's really interesting how in 2020 podcast companies begin to try to expand podcasts to really the whole world and especially, you know, third world markets and all this and the efforts they're doing. And uh, the war, it's on and Wondery is now part of Amazon and let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, this clearly shows the the consolidation of these very well-funded startups. Uh, Wondery, while they keep saying it was a small startup, I mean, they had, you know, uh, a lot of funding and they were doing very high production shows. And so, you know, this ends up being uh, another kind of stab at the at the reality that eventually the podcast market will need to contract across those big budget shows that's not going to ultimately change podcasting the way you listen to us uh you know in the podcast app is really not going to ultimately change and uh and as long as there's an rss feed uh you know with with uh with the ability to add a media enclosure podcasting really is not going to change for us what i do think is really good is that it brings more people to to the pie it really helps to add more people to the understanding that podcasting exists and there's a legitimacy to that and uh, that's really great and so with that that brings us to our halfway point in the show and uh, we will be back with you after the ad break with more stories this week did you know half of small businesses don't have websites and half don't make it past one year in business? Are these stats correlated? We're not sure, but we think you should have a website. W3C Web Services provides affordable managed WordPress website hosting, along with VPS, domain name registration, and other small business-focused services. For listeners of this podcast, you can book a free 30-minute digital marketing strategy session when you purchase a new hosting plan. $150 value. 
Once you purchase your new hosting plan, forward the receipt to support at W3Cinc.com with the podcast title in the subject line of the email message, and we'll get you scheduled for your digital marketing strategy session. Head over to anythingbutidle.com slash webhosting and get started with your small business website today. And now, back to your show. Welcome back, everybody, to Anything But Idle. Uh, we were discussing the first half of the stories of the week and uh, before the break, and now we are going to go into our second half of the stories of the week. And so with that, Augusto, we've got Samsung with uh, a big announcement. Yes, they officially confirmed that the Galaxy S21 is going to have an event on January 14. So we will try to plan to have an event discussing the event, in, if it's relevant and long enough, and show what they are going to do. We know they are going to officially kill the S20. They're bringing the S21, S21 Plus, and S21 Ultra, as we have heard. And the event will be 7 a.m., and it's called Welcome to the Everyday Epic. Uh, so let's see what happened with that event. And it's going to be on January 14. And we will try to make the comments on the on the event later. Yeah, we try to do a commentary show based on these large uh, tech uh, live events, usually the day after or so. So we'll, we'll try and get something on the schedule and uh, and bring bring the news to you there. So 14, 7, 7 a.m.? Uh, PS is it that's 7 a.m. PST. 7 a.m. PST. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 10 a.m. TN, 10 a.m. Eastern. Eastern, which would be eight o'clock central for you. I'm sorry, six o'clock. I'm sorry, nine, <laughs> nine o'clock central for you. <laughs> My math is all. And now we know Dr. Buck is completely confused about when the event is going to be. <laughs> that is my fault. That is my fault. Whenever it comes on, it's on, you know. So. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, moving moving right along uh, with the news, there was an article. Uh, who, who published this? Analytics uh, Analytics Insight. Inside. Yeah. They, they talked about hybrid work models uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about that, Augusto. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we talk about what was going to happen with all this. And what they're saying now is, okay, well, what what is going to happen? And the reality is the remote work is here to stay. And for a lot of companies, was a lifesaver. So now we're starting to talk about the hybrid work model where we let people work when they work and we create teams in which some people stay in the office while the other one is outside and then they flip around and you keep, you know, making that, making the organizations better, but also allow it to have those, to shift the workloads between the different people, the different directions, the remote, the, inf- the people in the office. So it's going to hopefully bring a lot more flexibility, but also it's going to allow companies to retain more people you know i was we discussed at the beginning of the pandemic how one of the big issues was there was people who like me who wanted to work remotely forever and we make it happen there was people who always dream about it but the work was not necessarily allowing them to do and now they have eight nine months working remotely and those things are going to be an issue for these companies to say everybody in I don't want to go in. I have proved myself that I can work at home and be a reasonable, responsible human. So and for the other side, the other side of that coin is there are companies who discover we don't want people coming in ever again. We are happily looking at each other in a Zoom meeting. So all those elements, all those factors are going to be really, really interesting coming to the mid of 2021 as we start having the talks of, okay, we may be ready to go back. I don't see coming back before then, but that's me and I, I, I'm going to disagree with you in part, only because I think that what we're what we're going to see is more and more businesses forced uh, into uh, bringing their employees back on site uh, for some limited uh, capacity uh, because it just it, it doesn't make any sense for some of these companies to continue to stay closed and having them work remotely. Uh, there's just going to be a forcing uh, function uh, based on economic reasons. Uh, so so there's there's that part of it. Uh, plus, as people get vaccinated, they're gonna they're gonna uh, 
uh, presume that those folks can come back into their offices, rightly or wrongly. I don't, I don't particularly know the science there. I, I think it's it's probably a, a poor choice to continue to, um, to to continue to think that you can just push people back into the office just because they have been vaccinated, especially since so few people, um, you know, are currently vaccinated. Even as we get into larger numbers, there's still not going to be a threshold, um, a number of those. That being the case, I think that a lot of companies are going to choose, as this article kind of rightly states, that they're going to choose this hybrid model. And what ultimately is going to happen is that there's going to be a uh, a power kind of uh, grab. Um, those organizations where you have very uh, dominant managers who want to have control over their staff, they're going to try and pull those people back into the office. Uh, those that are a little bit more laissez-faire and understand performance and results-based management, they're going to be able to uh, let go of the, the clutches on the physical office spaces. And you'll see those companies, I think, prosper. I think those companies are the ones that will actually do better in the long term. Uh, I think for, for all of us who are in companies and working in environments where we have to pay attention to how to be productive. This is where knowing how to be productive from a mobile perspective is going to be really important right now because you're going to have to be potentially on the move, moving back and forth between in-person work at your office space, which they may decide to go to, to hoteling, they may decide to do other kinds of modalities for you, and then you having to come back to home and work, especially as we go through these rolling sets of lockdowns. You know, the UK right now is going through uh, a severe lockdown because of this COVID-19, you know, more contagious variant. We have that in the United States now. It's it's here. You know, we don't know where, but it's here and um, it's going to spread. And that means you're going to have more and more people um, forced into going back home when they just got back to the office and they were like, great, I can sit down at my, oh, I got to go back home and work now. So you're going to have this yo-yo effect. And I think the best thing you can do is just learn how to be mobile. And if you can if you can learn how to work in, a, in kind of not mobile, but, you know, like learn how to be flexible and adaptive in that kind of moving environment. And I think you're going to be so much better off. Yeah, it's interesting I, uh, with 2020 and that the whole transition point to becoming you know, primarily remote workers for those uh, who had that latitude. Um, I think with the uh, the variant, the COVID variant, uh, as well as um the inoculations getting introduced that it I, I would think that the disruption of 2020 is actually going to be magnified to a degree um, for those off those office workers, knowledge workers, people who are working on um, in 2021, just because of that much, like what you're saying, Ray, the, uh, you know, the power cramps is, but as well as, as the uh, British have been experiencing this, oh, well, it's not working out. We gotta, we gotta pull back again, and um, I can, I can just see that continuing at least for the first half of 2021 in North America. Mm-hmm. And and I think pretty soon we've really got to start looking at the, I guess you call it the professional development. You know, when I go into the office, I do my work, but I also get better, and a lot of that getting better is the interaction with other people. It's not in writing the report or doing the various tasks, but it's what happens between all those other tasks. And I think for a limited amount of time, we can do, we can go home and we can do those tasks just as well at home as we can do at the office. But unless there is some real effort, the professional development side of it just kind of goes to pop. We're, we're learning from ourselves. We're getting better at being us and there's nothing to kind of ramp us up. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you look at this, if we look into the school and I know you as a past principal know a lot about it, but the people who have little kids at home are seeing this. And, but I'd also seen, you know, I, and I, I mentioned this show, I see a two side of this. I see my little kid, you know, thriving much better than what he was in school, mostly because he is not getting in trouble as much with the teacher. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, I wish to tell you it's because he's learning better, but the reality is no, it's, he's just not in trouble every five minutes because the teacher can. And with my oldest instead, she's hurting on that social 
social side. So same thing we are going to see on the adults and professionals on where are we into that and where are the people who need that more social contact need to adapt, need to be flexible. I I agree with Ray that a lot of the work we have as I have as a coach for for the next six, seven, eight months is to help my clients into see what they need to really be flexible, to be one day in the office, two days at home, back to the office and back. Definitely. All right. Next up, we are going to talk about Microsoft. And unfortunately, Microsoft has acknowledged that their systems have been hacked. And it sounds to me like from the reporting that I've been hearing is that they were able to not hack into uh into into accounts of people, but into their own internal accounts, and were capable of seeing some of the uh, the code that runs some of these systems. And so, this is obviously uh, a developing uh, circumstance. Uh, but this is really, unfortunately, you know, based on the SolarWinds hack and all of the things that happened in the U.S. government-based um, hacking, um, we're now seeing that Microsoft is impacted, and this has a real you know life implication on us all in terms of thinking about how uh, you know like how Excel is is secured, how uh, Microsoft Office is secured just uh, generally, uh, because if they can see the source code, uh, then they can do all kinds of of manipulation of it, which is uh, potentially dangerous to us all. So um, I don't know if there's anything that we need to do. I don't think we can do anything. (laughs) This is all in Microsoft's camp uh, to do the forensics and to be able to help us understand what we need to do in order to be uh, prepared for it. Uh, But we will be following the story and uh, letting you know what we learn as we learn it. Next up, Augusto. Next, we are going to talk to an article that came on the Goodman products. They prioritize your task and master productivity using the Eisenhower matrix. The Eisenhower matrix is the important, urgent matrix. And it, it, was, a, it was a good article. And, and for one of the things that for a lot of people happened in 2020 is Personal productivity has come to be relevant for the first time to many people, but they're not ready yet to maybe jump into the grounds of getting things done or the grounds even of the late Stephen Covey. And they're looking for something. Can I get something that allows me to move forward, but much, much simpler that I can see? And and the Eisenhower matrix is exactly that tool. It's a tool that you can really cannot go wrong. You only have four squares, so it cannot make it more simple like that. But it is important to understand what it is and why it can help you, especially if you are discovering that maybe you need something about productivity and you make the mistake of go to Google and says, how can I be more productive? And now are completely overwhelmed with the answer of millions of millions of millions of answers. Yes, and I, I imagine the folks who are watching and listening are not those people. They are the people you are interacting with and you are frustrated with right now. <laughs> they are the people who need to hear this. Uh, but for those of you who are, 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 you constantly hear the term Eisenhower matrix, and I did want to clarify for folks that you should be actually searching for the Merrill Covey matrix, uh, which is the matrix designed by uh, Rebecca and Roger Merrill, along with Dr. Stephen Covey uh, and their research, which went into the book First Things First. And so that system and that design process, uh, while Eisenhower sounds uh, cute and, and and is where um, President Eisenhower um, kind of uh, was purported to have developed this this notion. Really, the research and the, the methodology itself, you'll get more information if you search for Merrill Covey uh, matrix out there. All right. What else do we have? We have a few more articles. All right. We a have news about the iPhone and Apple Watch. So there is, again, this is a year, this is the, the episode of the goals, and I am the Apple guys, so I found this article in 9 to 5 about what you can do with your watch and your iPhone to make this year more productive, but to stick with the resolutions. You know, as I was saying before, the vision is not enough. The vision needs the strategy so you can make. And this article talk about a lot of different things you can do to help you with that strategy. You know, it helps you about accountability, about stakes, about different software that you can use. Talk about a software that I love that's called Streaks, that you can define how often and what it is and put your icons. It's a really cool thing. Talks about the circles, talk about how 
habit, habit minders so you can change habits and talks about it's a really well written article talks in details about how to use your phone and your watch to really help you on the strategy for those to accomplish those goals. Fantastic. Sorry, I'm not the Apple guy. I got nothing. <laughs> More Apple news, though. Uh, what's what's next up in Apple's news? The the next is Apple lose the copyright battle against security startup Corellium, and this is interesting because this is the first battle that I see Apple losing on this backgrounds. Okay, Corellium designed a way to help people break the iPhone and in theory can only be used to use inside of their platform but allows them to try to hack in the system. There has been a lot of movements, the hacking touch, people trying to install Mac OS into different hardwares and Apple has always win those battles. For some reason, the battle with Corellium was lost. The judge in Florida considered that, nope, it's fine what they're doing. It is for the better good. And for uh, so they are going to let Corellium continue doing that and continue making Corellium helps find those bugs into the iOS operating system. But again, it was interesting because this is the first time that I see Apple lose on one of those. And I'm sure they will appeal and this battle is not over, but it's still, it was a good a good hit. And something that is interesting to see for the other companies, you know, for the Microsoft and the Googles, what this is going to mean for them. Because even that as a star on Apple, we know now that sets precedence for the others too. Yeah, I think this will be a limited case. I think I think the the merits of the case were valid. I think the loss was was uh, correct judgment, uh, but I don't see this being particularly expansive in terms of interpretation. Uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I you know again you know <laughs> Google and uh, and. Uh, um, Amazon and the rest of them, Facebook was what I was thinking of, Google and Facebook, um, and Amazon to some extent, but mostly Google and Facebook in 2021 and beyond is, are, they're really going to have to tread lightly in terms of how they, uh, interact and engage with the general public and certainly how they deal with litigation going forward in, in, you know, understanding the fact that they're, you know, they've got these antitrust cases out there against them and they're coming into a, a probably a politically, um, you know, unfriendly, environment uh with regard to the new administration and 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 what's really going to happen you know like basically tomorrow and whatever happens in georgia will determine the course of the next four years and so that'll be very interesting to see once uh you know the georgia senate runoff is is uh called in a couple of weeks and whatnot uh then we will see whether or not the balance of power shifts um in that way and that will really determine really google and facebook's uh fate in terms of how they'll really be able to to do a lot of what they've been planning and trying to do uh, i did hear a little bit of reporting this past week about apple uh potentially having um, some thoughts about going into the car space and uh, maybe even just using their technology in cars versus building their own, that kind of thing. Uh, but Google has made, you know, kind of a of movement away from that with their Waymo system. You know, they invested in so and so forth, but they've pushed um, themselves further away from the electric uh, and, and uh, self-driving car uh, platform. I think in part, you know, all of these pieces kind of connect to each other. And so the more uh, Google gets decoupled from themselves, uh, the less likely they are to be able to control their their forward movement. Apple has remarkably been able to keep themselves, uh, you know, intact and moving forward and uh, while still commanding huge amounts of cash value. So I'm, I'm very curious how this will work out in the long run, but um, something really interesting to pay attention to. Any any anything else, Augusto? Uh, we have the last news on, and I remember in January two thousand seven, the Apple iPhone was announced, and I remember people saying this thing will never work because it do not have Adobe Flash Player. Who will want a device without Adobe? Well, I'm just need to I've come here to report that officially 
Adobe Flash is out. It's dead on December 31st. And if you want an article how to remove it from your Mac, I'm happy to share you the link. And I, for one, am really celebrating this because it was a piece of software that gave me more headaches than benefits. Yeah, so the, for folks who are, are unaware, uh, you know, Adobe Flash does, uh, re- like, there are remnants of it that, that is retained on the system and is, quite honestly, a security hole. I mean, it's a, it's a big security risk to have that running on your system. And as much as Adobe will tell you, oh, we've, we've patched it, we've patched it, I mean, Flash is as holy as a, as a, a block of Swiss cheese. So, you know, you really need to, uh, to just get rid of it. And the, when I came across the instructions, I thought, you know what? Everybody watching and listening should really just go through and follow the process for removing Flash from your system. Just get rid of it across the board. Uh, most of the major browsers, uh, all of the major browsers have now uh, both deprecated and removed it from their systems, so you shouldn't have any of those remnants in your in your browsers. But um, there are others that have been caked into the system in other ways, and so you can go ahead and uh, purge yourself of that uh, godforsaken uh, product. <laughs> it is it is a uh, it's one of the few things that I have I have uh, longed for its death. So yes, it is not going to be missed. But with this, let's go to the new tool of the week. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm having a little bit of technical difficulties. I'm not going to be able to bring it up on uh, screen, uh, but let's let's absolutely get into the new tools of the week. And so each week, uh, Augusto and I cull the interwebs for all kinds of things, and uh, we come across many personal productivity tools and services in that uh, research. And so in this segment, new tools of the week, we like to bring you uh, new tools that we think you might uh, enjoy. And so uh, this week, uh, Augusto and myself and our two panelists. Um, all have different things to share with you. And so first up is a tool uh, called Substack. And uh, and so my choice is a tool called Substack. And Substack is basically a an alternative to Trello. And I came across this through VentureBeat.com. Uh, and in essence, you're capable of utilizing Substack to be able to create a Kanban uh, or really, uh, uh, yeah, it's a Kanban-style board environment. And it's just really quite slick. You have the ability to uh, put up um, a Merrill Covey Matrix-style grid and do that kind of prioritization of particular projects, and you can place them in those grids. It's just really, really slick. And uh, and I, I just I thought it was really interesting. I've, I've played just a little bit with it. And uh, you can create dependencies automatically in the system. I wonder if I could bring this up on screen, because I... I have this here on this system. Let's see here. Let's see if I can do it. Do you want me to try to bring it in my screen? There we go. Okay. So um, I just can't. I can't put it into full screen mode. Uh, otherwise, it it uh, locks up my system for some reason. But either way, um, here you can see you can uh, you can. Uh, create this like matrix and uh, you know utilize dependencies. It allows you to be able to do a SWOT analysis. If those of you who don't know, a SWOT analysis: strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Uh, we do this in business quite often. And so you can do a SWOT analysis inside the system. So it's got all of this kind, uh, this opinionated uh, component structure that's really uh, quite useful, and it allows you to be able to manage in this in this. Uh, remote environment, remote work world, uh, using an, an alternative to Trello for those of you who may have issues with uh, sticking with Trello for whatever reason. Okay, um, with that, our next tool, Augusto? Our next tool is not a productivity thing, uh, but it was something that was introduced to me by my kids. So during uh, the Christmas break, my kids invite me to play a game called Among Us. And uh, we were playing with my nephews and my niece and and my brother-in-law, and we end up making a game of 10 people. And the, basically the game is you are trying to fix the ship and somebody's the imposter and is killing people on the ship and you need to discover who it is. And it's really simple. The game is really simple, runs on almost any device, but it was really a really fun family game except for my nephew but everybody else was really having a blast <laughs> my oh, nephew did not nephew. like to be killed but um but everybody else was having a blast i think even he was having a blast except he did not want it to be the dead body he wanted to be the imposter every time but it was a really fun thing so as we talk about productivity part of the productivity also is take care of yourself is rest is entertain all those things are part of productivity. So 
uh, this may be the first game we are going to mention, not the last, but the first game we are going to mention on Anything But Idol. Definitely against my <laughs> better judgment. Uh, but with that, uh, next up I have you, Derek. Derek, what's your choice uh, tool of the week? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And up until last month, it ran on Adobe Flash. It's now HTML5 uh, coded oh. is uh, Goalscape. And it's uh, it was actually designed by a uh, sailing Olympian, German sailing Olympian, Marcus Bauer there. Um, in the project management world, if you're acquainted with work breakdown structures, where uh, you have, okay, here's my project, we'll think of it as a goal, and then you break it into components and you break it into tasks. This is a similar thing, but it's but it's in a circle, and you can use it for a single goal, you can put it for your whole life sort of thing, um, and break it down further and further out in these concentric circles um, as... Uh, you design what you're going to accomplish. And then as you accomplish them, you mark them complete. Uh, you can share them with others. You can share tasks with others and that sort of thing. And as you can see in that um, the graphic there, it shows the progression of completeness as well. So, um, you know, the gray uh, outer uh uh, edges there you can see are part you know almost done partly done not started so if you'd look at it, your basically your whole life sort of thing and the goals in the different areas as Augusto said at the beginning of the program um, you can see areas that are not being addressed because you're not accomplishing uh, your activities your tasks and your goals in there and you can see other ones that as they do progress um, it, it has a desktop version. There's also an online version. There's a uh, app. There's a smartphone apps as well. I believe both uh, Android and uh, iOS, uh, where so you can uh, carry it with you as well. And so I, this was just something I, man, it was a number of years ago I um, had discovered this and. Um, kind of uh, played around with it. But since I retired the end of November, I've uh, been doing a lot of, besides game playing, uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, catching up with these applications that that I had, uh, that I had uh, invested in in the past. Looks good. And I guess it's a freemium because I, I saw it had pricing up there. So is there a... Yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tiered. Like uh, you can get... Uh, a basic online one um, frame, I think they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can do uh, get the desktop for a one-off cost, and then you can get the online cost for a, for a monthly, uh, lower monthly cost. So there's a number of different uh, tiers and arrangements that you can do with it. Fantastic. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dr. Right. Buck, what's your choice this week? All right, mine is one. It's it's not new, but it may be new. Probably is new to a lot of people out there. But it's a website called We Transfer. You know, the problem that we all have is, you know, we we've got a lot of pictures we're trying to send to somebody, and making them email attachments just doesn't work. So, how can I send lots of data across the web? Uh, and do it for free, and this site will will do it. You don't even have to. Um, you know, they invite you to create an account, but you don't even have to create an account. And you basically just drag stuff onto the screen, put your email address, put the email address of the person or people that you're sending it to and click and it's gone. It will let you know when it's been delivered. It will let you know when the people, what, what happens on the other end is they get an email from we transfer with a link in there. They click it downloads. So instead of going through their email, it's uploading to WeTransfer's um, server. Uh, they click a link, it downloads it from WeTransfer's server. Uh, after a few days, WeTransfer deletes it from their server. Uh, 
like I said, you get a link letting, or you get an email letting you know when the other person has downloaded it. You also get an email if they haven't after a few days. It will say, you know, it's the link is about to expire in three days or whatever so that you can uh, follow up. But it is just so easy and has helped me and a bunch of people I know uh, helped us out so many times. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Buck. And uh, with that, we just have uh, one announcement this week, and then we will close out the show. And so uh, this week, just wanted to let everybody know that uh, David C., I think that's how you pronounce your name, David. I apologize if not, uh, or Dave C. Um, and so if you go to uh, David seah.com he has done his updates for his uh, very popular uh, planners where he designs these beautiful um, emergent task planner items and you can print them out and so on and so forth so uh, they are uh, now been updated for 2021 uh, so those are all out there if uh, folks are interested in doing that i'll put a link to that in the show notes for you uh, so that you can go ahead and download that uh, and uh, so with that we've covered hopefully all of the productivity and technology news this week that was pertinent to you. And uh, I want to just give uh, thanks to uh, Derek Reinhardt and Dr. Frank Buck for joining us uh, today for the show. Uh, Dr. Buck, if folks want to keep in touch with you, uh, how do they do that? How do they, how do they keep in touch with you and your work? Okay. Come over to my website, uh, frankbuck.org. And that's the keys to the candy store. You can get on my email list. You'll I'll be in your inbox every Tuesday, letting you know about new stuff on my blog, podcast, YouTube, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter and or Instagram, I'm at Dr. Frank Buck, Dr. Frank Buck, in other words. Love Wonderful. Connect with you. As always, thanks for joining us here on the show, Frank. It was a pleasure. Thank All you, right. Dr. Buck. And Derek, how can folks keep in touch with you and your Well, um, yes, I started a website called GTD with uh, something that was uh, incubating in my mind on how flexible and actually tool agnostic that uh, getting things done is. And so I uh, wrote uh, two small books, uh, GTD with the bullet journal and GTD with Goalscape. Uh, and you can uh, catch up with me, subscribe uh, at that site there. And uh, I'm, uh, like I said, I'm just starting out retired and learning, uh, setting up my own goals uh, for being retired. So we can start with that. Wonderful. Welcome and uh, welcome to the show. And thank you for being here. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back again soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. All right, Augusto, thank you very much for joining me, as always, on Anything But Idle. Thank you very much. It was really fun, and I'm looking forward to this one and the next one. Wonderful. Well, folks, if for some reason we missed a story, uh, feel free to head over to anythingbutidle.com if you... Uh, Anytime you want to find the episode number, if you just go to anythingbutidle.com forward slash and the three-digit episode number, that'll take you over to the episode page. And there on the page, you can uh, type comments. You can find our show notes, links to all the stories that we have um, talked about in the show, sometimes extras that we couldn't talk about on the show but wanted to provide to you, all of that there on the episode page. Uh, but if we did miss something, you want to share that with us uh, that's not related to a specific episode, you can go to our contact page on anythingbutidle.com. You can also tweet or DM us at anythingbutidle on Twitter. And if you have a comment or question, feel free to find us in one of those ways. Uh, on Anything But Idle on each episode uh, show page, uh, as I noted, we have our show notes, which includes links to all the stories, tools of the week, and as well as uh, text transcripts uh, that you can read and also download as PDF from the shows there on the website. You can also subscribe. And if you are feeling uh, generous, feel free to go to your favorite podcast app. And if it allows you to go ahead and leave a rating or review, just let us know how we're doing. And uh, that really helps us uh, stay motivated to keep doing this and to uh, help grow our podcast listening community. And so with that, uh, see you all next time on Anything But Idle. Here's to your productive